Welcome to the Watermark Wesleyan Church Reach and Teach Podcast with your hosts, Randy Johnson and Dan Ward. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Reach and Teach Podcast. This is Dan Ward, joined by our co-host, Randy Johnson. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever. <laughs> Whenever you're listening. Today, we are joined by Aaron Belleville. He'll give us his full title and everything. He works with Promise Valley Farm, which is a part of Seneca Gospel Mission. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Maybe you could start out just telling us a little bit about your title, exactly what you do there. I know we chatted for a couple minutes here, but if you could let our listeners know what you're up to there, that'd be great. Well, hi. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on today. So, yeah, I am the farm manager at Promise Valley Farm. We are a ministry of Cynical Gospel Mission, which is located here in South Buffalo. And the ministry has been here for over 80 years. So, wow. Gospel Mission goes back a long, long way. Uh, I was first started in this neighborhood in 1936 by three businessmen who were realizing the need for neighborhood revival. We, we've been here ever since then, many directors in that time, and the farm ministry only started about four years ago, 2016. This is actually the fifth summer that we've done the farm here. Our new director is Michael Reed. He started last October, so he's been with us uh, just short of a year. I had the pleasure of meeting him, Aaron, on our, my visit there with you the first time I came by. He's got an interesting background, doesn't he? Background in business, so... Uh, he is just what we need in this juncture in our, in our history. Now, the fact that I drove down a city in Buffalo and I looked over and I saw, well, I saw a farm. And it's kind of unusual to see that. And then later, right. I saw another one. What's the whole idea of farming in the city? Where did it start? Let us understand that, okay? That's a good question, I think, because a lot of people don't really know much about urban farming, if anything. I didn't know much myself until about six years ago. I had an internship at a, a farm in Buffalo called Five Lowe's Farm, which is over on the west side. It's, uh, it's run by Matt Kaufman. And that's really where I, I learned a lot about organic farming. One of the things I get a lot of people are like, well, that's not a real farm. You don't have animals. The kids come and they're like, well, where's the horses? Where's the, where's the cows and pigs and whatever? But what we do grow is organic vegetables. And um, everything that we grow at the farm here is, is naturally grown. We don't use any herbicides or pesticides. All the seeds we use are organic. They're 100% natural. Well, it's kind of like the Cadillac of vegetables, if, if you could use that thinking. It's very high-end vegetables. Yeah, so we, we have 8,000 square feet of land area that we uh, are farming out. It, it's not huge in the sense that, like, you know, some of these farms are hundreds or even thousands of acres, but our, our entire property is less than one acre in the city here. So every square foot counts. Aaron, who, who does the growing and who works the farm and how does that all work? Maybe you could kind of walk us through the operations of it. Yeah, well, I am the main farmer. Okay. <laughs> I do most of it myself. Um, Mike helps me when he can. Um, volunteers help on occasions, but I do the bulk of it. We have a, a, enough with that square footage that we can grow over 2,000 pounds of produce per year. And we are growing that mainly for families in the neighborhood. There are, are 13 families that we grow stuff for. Plus, we have a collaboration with PATH and another one with a, uh, a church in the neighborhood and uh, community development. We also bring produce to them. The church does weekly meals. They cook about 200 meals, so we, we help out by giving stuff to them as well. You could. Uh, when we were talking one time, you were explaining to me about the availability of healthy food in the local grocery stores around. Can you mm -hmm. go over that again with us? This neighborhood is known what is a food desert which means that the availability of, of healthy food is, is almost non-existent. 
like we're used to being able to just get in our car and drive to Wegmans and Tops and there's tons of fresh produce that's easy to access in this neighborhood. One thing to consider is about half of the people don't drive at all. They don't have cars. And the places where you do have food available, you have like the small corner store, which has a lot chips, of chips and pop and beer. They don't have anything remotely like fruits or vegetables or anything like that. So it's very, very difficult for people to even access that here. The uh, Wegmans here and it's like you're overwhelmed. Right. There's just this cornucopia of, of food that, that's available to us. So but, you know, for somebody who has to take the bus and there's not, not even any stores on this bus route, it's, it's very difficult for them to find anything. So there's not a lot that you can compose a meal out of. So consequently, most people in this neighborhood do not even cook. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to follow a recipe. It's just never been a part of their life. It's, it's an, a foreign concept to them. So a large part of what we do is food education. We're trying to teach people to live a, a healthy lifestyle. We start with our kids. So the, the two main ministries that we do in conjunction with the farm, uh, we do a summer program called BUG, which stands for Building Urban Gardeners. And for this this past year, we had we had 24 kids be a part of our program. It's a six-week program. We meet twice a week. And they learn all about where food comes from, how it grows. And we start by letting them plant. Of, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you told me a couple of stories where the kids thought different food came from. What's their thinking when they arrived about where their food comes from? Well, when they, when they first started the program six weeks ago, we asked them to identify basic vegetables, things that we would be familiar with, peppers, carrots, tomatoes. They, they knew some of them, but most of these kids had never even tried a fresh tomato or a fresh pepper. They didn't realize that carrots grew in the ground. I had a kid once who was like, why is there dirt all over those carrots? You know, so um, I don't know where they think their food comes from, but there's such a disconnect that, you know, you don't realize that it actually grows somewhere and somebody does the growing. So the kids not only learn that, but they get to participate in that. They get to be a part of that themselves because they start their own gardens. And we let every kid have their own garden plot, old pallets converted into little um, gardening centers. So these kids design their own thing. They plant their own seeds, whatever they want to. A lot of them have creative liberty when it comes to that. So they plant the stuff, they see it come up. It feels a lot more real to them then. They realize, oh, this actually comes from somewhere that, and seeing for themselves. So that's really good. So that's our summer program. And then during the school year, we do a similar program, but instead of outdoors, it's indoors. But we, we also try and focus that around um, healthy lifestyle, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. You know, a very holistic uh, approach to, uh, to health and why that's important. And we incorporate spiritual lessons into that. We do recipes, uh, cooking lessons. And what was really exciting to start this last winter was um, we started um, working with microgreens, wow. which are, they're like pretty much any other vegetable you're familiar with, but it's, it's the early like shoots and leaves. So they grow for about two weeks and you can harvest them then. And they're very, very healthy. And that's the thing. It's like they're nutrient dense. They're considered a superfood. So that's, it's something that, you know, high-end restaurants are very interested in those now. So th there, there's a market for it. It's something that people want, but more importantly, it, it's a teaching tool for the kids. They're growing their own microgreens. They're learning how to do that themselves, planting their own personal trays of them and uh, being a part of that process. And uh, you really see a lot of light bulbs go off when they see things growing and, and realize, okay, this is real. This is where stuff comes from. And, and so it's very hands-on. We've been trying to incorporate a lot of lessons about that. We do recipes where we cook with them. Can you share some of the reactions when these kids try fresh vegetables? What is it a positive experience? Well, you know, usually it is a positive experience. I think the kids surprise even themselves by trying some of this stuff. 
we did one recipe where we cooked kale chips. Now this is something they had tried before. They hated the kale, didn't want to touch it again. But we tried a recipe and we baked it up in the oven. We put some salt and oil on it and the kids loved the chips and they devoured them. And they were so surprised that they, they couldn't believe that, you know, they're eating the same thing, right? And, and actually liking it, so. <laughs> wow, that's great. So they, 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 they come away with a new appreciation for things that, you know, they were always taught to dislike. When the program starts, the kids are always like, oh, this is disgusting, I'm not trying this. But by five, six weeks in, they are very adventurous and trying all these brand new things. Share us a story of a particular individual. There's one young man in the neighborhood. He's 12. I've known him for about four years ever since um, I started working here. And he's always, you know, been kind of mildly interested. This summer he started coming around a lot more and actually wanting to volunteer. Like, you know, what, what can I do? I'm like, oh, okay, sure. So, you know, it, it might even be like planting seeds, pulling weeds, a lot of pulling weeds. A lot of what I do is weeding. But he has faithfully come throughout the summer and wanted to volunteer and help out. And, you know, he comes from a family that, a uh, single mom, he's got older siblings. It, there's a lot of, uh, not to get into all the details, but he, he's got a hard home life. And realizing this is an opportunity to kind of be a, more of a mentor to him, really, than anything. I mean, whether he realizes it or not, you know, there's just some mentoring going on. And we're able to have real conversations as we're working, you know, talking about matters of faith, helping him understand more about God and everything. It's been really cool to see that. We want to be something like that to the kids in this area where they can feel comfortable coming here and knowing that it's a place that's safe. We want it to be the community's farm. We want it, people to feel welcome, that they are a part of it, right? That it, this is something for everybody here. Sure. What's been the response of the neighborhood? I mean, what kind of feedback do you get from the people that you're there to serve? Well, I think what's been really good with the, with the kids, at least, this summer is just, it's bred familiarity. They started off the summer not really knowing pretty much anything about where food comes from or anything, or even wanting to try vegetables. By the end of the summer, 80% of the kids said that they would want to eat this way. Like they, they like this stuff, they would eat more vegetables or whatever. <laughs> okay, so that, that's a huge improvement. Uh, so there's more awareness. They're not learning that from home. Like I said before, their, their parents don't cook. Dinner is usually like a bag of Cheetos and Mountain Dew, literally. So and anything that is an uh, improvement on that. What about the uh, people that you give food to? You, what kind of response has that been? Well, you know, just earlier today, we were um, pulling the wagon through the neighborhood and going from house to house. More or less, people were receptive, wanting some of the food that we that we had to give out. And we don't ask for it, but some people do uh, give us money towards it. We try to meet people where they're at, pay as they can, if they're able to. We're not in this to get rich, obviously, but in the future, we would like to look into more uh, micro enterprises, things with the microgreens, marketing those, or maybe canning our own pickles, for instance. Wow. I'm not saying we will do pickles, but something, I mean, it's just an idea. Like, There's things that we can do, like try and find a niche or, or something that like no one else is doing really and make that our thing, really. Do the kids help with the farming then all along or just during that program or how does that work? Well, they're more directly involved during the, that six-week period in the summer. We have an overlapping but separate group of kids that we're with during the school year, so we could make a special trip with them here. We meet with them at the community center in this neighborhood, which is not far away. It's only a few blocks, so we are able to come over here, and it's not, it's not impossible. But um, I, I would like to get more chances to bring kids over here during the school year for sure. 
was the heart behind this to start? Was it really to provide food where kind of you are doing the farming and providing food for these 13 families or however many, you know, there were at the beginning, or was it more to educate and involve those, the younger people? Both really. It was both. Definitely the more immediate goal was to directly feed people to form relationships with these families that we're giving food to weekly. But I think education is really kind of beginning to take precedence over that because I realizing that, you know, it's great that we're giving food to people, but if they don't know what to do with it, it's not really, uh, I want to maximize our potential to, to feed people. And a part of that I realizing is teaching them the skills. So one of the things we want to do in the future is, you know, not just with food, but we have like a work skills program that we do uh, with teenagers. We're looking towards um, older kids, like 15 to 18 years old, and, and having a program for them where they can learn job skills, they can learn life skills, uh, because they don't really have anything like that. They're not teaching that in school. If these young people have parents that don't work, they're not getting it from their parents. So that there's really no other outlet that's providing those skills in this area. So we're seeing a deficit for that. So wanting to be able to fill that deficit, being able to provide them with something more than just a meal here and there, but actually some skills that will carry them through life, how to look for jobs, how to make themselves marketable. So that's where we're looking to go in the future. And we want to do it kind of like a collaboration with, with other organizations that prepare meals, like churches, community centers, maybe some restaurants. They can come in and, and uh, receive fresh produce from us in exchange for like a given amount of time of, of garden maintenance, like they help out here and we help them with the food. So everybody benefits from it, right? Aaron, you were sharing with me when we were there, the, some of the ways you introduced the gospel, because we haven't really talked about the gospel part of mm-hmm. Seneca gospel mission, but when you're sharing with these kids uh, and they're doing the stories and stuff, talk a little bit about the tools you have because it's agriculture there's a lot of biblical examples. I mean, you were telling me that when I was. Oh, there. there's there's so much. The Gospels are, are chock full of agricultural metaphors, and it's, it's the language that that was common to the people then. It's it's maybe a little bit more removed from our culture now, mm-hmm. but there are things that are very real. And and um, I think part of what I'm trying to do is key these kids into um, the creation all around them. Things that we're not usually aware of on a day to day basis, but there's still things that are very real and present in their lives and realizing that these kids are also made in God's image, which I think is a very important thing that they're not hearing from anywhere else. So we're, we're trying to instill the sense of value that they, that they need to have as, as individuals because of how they're made. That's a big part of what we're trying to instill in them. Aaron, as you talk about kind of partnering with other organizations, if we have people from church here who may be looking to get involved in something like this, whether they maybe have a passion for, just sharing the gospel or more so even for farming, you know, any sort of kind of passion that may align with you guys, what would be some ways that people could potentially get involved if you have any easily accessible ways? Maybe you could talk about that. Yeah, sure. Well, above all, we're always in need of prayer. We can pray that God will open up these avenues to greater reach our, our neighbors and the programs that we do that it'll open up the hearts of the kids that we um, have in our two programs Volunteers are always welcome. One way we can specifically use volunteers right now is with our kids' programs. During the winter semester, we'll, we'll be having a program on, on, on Wednesdays at the center, unless things change. But as of now, it'll be a Wednesday afternoon program. And we can certainly use more uh, adult help with that. 
What would that look like, Aaron? What would I be doing if I came down? We definitely do crafts. We do games. We do Bible lessons. Uh, we tell stories. I'm not saying that a volunteer has to like speak in front of the crowd, but if you do, in fact, have a gift telling stories, if you have the passion to share the gospel with kids, I mean, we're, we, we need all those skills. You know, there's, a, there's a definitely things. But if, if you're just more comfortable one-on-one with kids, that's actually even really important because we can't give every one of them individualized attention all the time. So that, that's definitely something to have a, like a higher ratio of volunteers to kids definitely helps them with the individualized attention. And are these elementary age kids or middle school, high school? Our youngest kids are six up to like 13, 14 years old right now. And how many participants do you usually have? We had 24 kids this past summer. During the school year, we have less than that, but the numbers fluctuate a lot. But we're hoping to have more. I mean, definitely with with more volunteers, we can have more kids and maintain their intention because I think that's our limitation now is with just two adults. it's, It's hard to have more than a room of like 12 kids. Sure. Do you need help with training people how to cook and use the vegetables? I know we have quite a few folks who are good with cooking and teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, is that something you're interested in looking for right now or more so in the farming side of things? Well, absolutely. I I think people who have restaurant skills, uh, culinary, whatever, would be a huge, huge asset. I'm not a world-class chef myself, so anybody who's able to come up with creative ways of incorporating our vegetables and stuff to make it exciting, interesting to these kids. I mean, that would be awesome, you know? Anything else that you would want to kind of convey to listeners, mostly probably from our church, but potentially beyond that, is there anything that would be worth you sharing before we wrap up here, just that you'd want to get the word out about? We're really, really grateful to Watermark for the financial support over the years and for the very generous people at Watermark. We really appreciate the partnership that we have with you, and we hope to continue that in the years to come in any way we can. I would just say thank you to everybody for having an interest in the city, for wanting to be involved in something in this kind of forgotten part of the world. We're really grateful and indebted to you guys for um, the future and being able to expand things. Sure. Aaron, if if there are people listening who want to get involved or, or learn more, how would they go about getting a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? The best way would be to check out our website, Seneca Gospel Mission, and uh, our Facebook page as well. Okay, we'll put the link in the podcast description for people. Great. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I I just want to thank you for joining us. This has been amazing. And uh, being that I've been there and I've seen it, I can tell you right now, it just feels good being there, you know, and just to see it with the background that's there and the fact that it's affecting that neighborhood and a neighborhood you know could use not only the gospel, but just people to love on it, you know, and I just Mm -hmm. yeah, happy there and so happy we're connected. That's really what we're all about. It's like we want to love people and and show them how valuable they are in God's sight. And, you know, if we accomplish nothing else, if we can do that and let people know just how much they're loved, I mean, I think we're doing our thing. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. And thank you, Dan. This has been awesome being able to share. Absolutely. We're going to pray you on out of here. Okay. I'm going to just pray Mm -hmm. for you. We'll wrap it up. Okay. Laura, we just thank you for Aaron. And we're just excited that he's excited and he's connecting in such a key way in a very, very special neighborhood in New York City, and we just pray for continued success and that the help that he needs and the support that he needs is overflowing, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.